the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. All right, good morning, Southern Colorado. Welcome to True North. Take a deep breath, suck it all in. You're at uh, high elevation here, so uh, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Uh, we're living in one of the most desirable places in the nation, aren't you? Now, hopefully you're out on a walk today with your dogs or your best friend or somebody you love, and you're just taking it all in. So breathe deep, America. You're in the Pikes Peak region, and you're listening to True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Welcome. And uh, we appreciate you listening in. We got uh, our number five of six interviews with the top mayoral candidates uh, that are going for the big job here April 4th. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I uh, want to draw your attention to a couple of things real quick here. Uh, what is North? Uh, well, North is our business, real estate, lifestyle, and people publication. And then we've kind of trickled that over into the radio so you can hear the people you're reading about and get to know them a little better because uh, there's amazing people out there doing amazing things. Uh, our community is growing. Uh, it is it is as diverse as it's ever been in its history. And it, there's there's a great food culture out there. There's entertainment culture out there. And it is just uh, it's, it's just an amazing place to be right now. Of course, we have that gorgeous aesthetic that nobody else on earth can claim uh, right here at the at the base of Pikes Peak. So anyway, I want to encourage you to go out and get the publication. It's free. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in your mailbox uh, or your email inbox. If, um, if that's, if you prefer the digital edition, just go to coloradomediagroup.com forward slash subscribe. Just enter a few data points in there for us and uh, we'll get it to you. No obligation whatsoever. So just enjoy getting to know the people, the places, and the things that are going on in this amazing community. So sit back for the next hour and listen to uh, this great conversation that we're going to have with uh, a gentleman who's been serving in the public eye for, well, over 29 years. And uh, he's held some amazing jobs here in town. Um, Number one, he started with the Colorado Springs Housing Authority, and we'll get into the details of all these things. Uh, he served as El Paso County Commissioner from 2003 to 2011, El Paso County Clerk and Recorder, and he's also served at the state level as Secretary of State. And right now he is serving as a city councilman and chairman of the Colorado Springs Utilities Board. Uh, I am very happy to welcome Mr. Wayne Williams into the studio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Dirk. Thanks for having me with you today. Uh, brother, I'm glad to have you here. It's great to hey, be here. Right on. Well, let's Let's get to know you. Let's get to let the folks in a little bit because uh, we see we see your picture, we see your signs, uh, we've seen you on council doing amazing work. Um, but who is the gentleman? Who is Wayne Williams? Well, I, I grew up in Virginia. Uh, Dad had served in the Navy, met Mom, 
at when he was stationed at Norfolk, she was visiting her sister, and uh, and so they decided Virginia was the place to uh, found a family, and because uh, that was halfway in between Dad's New York and Mom's Georgia. Oh, Georgia, right? On. But first, they had to go to <laughs> California and adopt two kids, one of which was me. Wonderful. And uh, you know, I was fortunate. By the way, actually, uh, and told you this before, but yeah. I met my birth parents. Yeah, uh, she was a fifteen-year-old uh, girl when she got pregnant. Put right me on. up for adoption. And uh, and my mom and dad were desperate for kids. Yep. And uh, and so it worked out. And a couple of years ago, through Ancestry DNA, uh, we were able to. I was able to introduce the two of them together because they both actually live in the Las Vegas area now. Oh, okay. And so each, my mom thanked my birth mom. My birth mom thanked my mom uh, because it, it worked out, and it was just really wonderful and touching. That and, is cool. Uh, what a wonderful story. And that's. So that's how I started out. I grew up yep. in Virginia, uh, got involved. Uh, we had a uh, – um, my dad was working for usually the military but civil service after f- being in the Navy. And then we went out to Front Royal. And his last job was the facilities manager for breeding ground for rare and endangered animals that was run by the National Zoo. Okay. And uh, so, yes, I did grow up on a zoo. Uh, <laughs> literally. 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 I <laughs> uh, lived in uh, an old you know, cavalry officer's home that was on the base there. and uh, But that's where I went. And uh, I got involved civically there. Yeah. Uh, the mentality of the folks was kind of small. Uh, and this is my evidence for that. Uh, when they desegregated schools, the people in Warren County, Virginia said, there's a way around that. If we don't have schools, we don't have to integrate. Okay. And so they were one of two counties in America that literally shut down the school system. No kidding. <laughs> uh, so in any case, I, this same mentality was still there uh, when I moved out there. And uh, I got involved with a bunch of kids, uh, and about 70 of us stood outside the polling places that I helped organize. And uh, we got new leadership in that county for the first time since Reconstruction. No kidding. And uh, that's how I got involved in politics. Uh, I've worked as a volunteer for decades before I ever ran for anything Mm -hmm. uh, because I care about issues and and things that are important. And uh, so went out to... Uh, after graduating from high school, went out to BYU for undergrad, then back to University of Virginia for law school. Yep. And in between, I worked in uh, D.C. for the National Republican Senate Committee as an intern. And there was another uh, student from BYU that was out there as part of their Washington seminar program. And her apartment invited our apartment over for ice cream. Okay. And 60 dates and 60 days later, Holly and I were engaged. Oh, look at that. Um, That's amazing. She was working for a Republican congressman in uh, – in um, from her home state of Utah. Okay. And uh, so I fell in love and we married in December right after my first semester of law school. Right on. And uh, she then moved out to Virginia. Um, she was going to graduate a year ahead of me, but our first son came along. So she graduated the same time <laughs> I did. <laughs> you handicapped her. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We've got four wonderful children. Yes. Uh, Sean is a computer programmer, uh, graduated CU. From, all four went to Rampart High School okay. here in Local. the North area. Yep. And uh, those the first one graduated from Rampart in 2006 and CU Boulder in 2007 and uh, is now a computer programmer married to a lovely uh, dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
who we met because CU Anschutz has a program for foreign students. So our daughter-in-law Purvi's from India uh, and got a job as a dentist in Iowa. So our cool. son can program from anywhere. So mm-hmm. that's where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next son is a professor of English down at the New Mexico Military Institute and uh, went to CU Springs and then uh, ultimately got his Ph.D. from Ohio State. Uh, the next one is running the mentorship programs for BYU Pathways um, and is picking up a master's uh, in leadership and management. Leadership and management. Mm-hmm. And the youngest is getting a Ph.D. in chemistry from Princeton. Wow. So <laughs> – Four kids, seven degrees, and two more in progress. Uh, we've got awesome kids. And yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of it's because of their wonderful mother, Holly. Uh, we take a little bit of a bow. <laughs> Come on. I chose a good wife. <laughs> yeah, we all married up. Um, <laughs> married up. That's the key. Um, and uh, But th- they've been so blessed. And yeah. uh, we've been blessed. And, and growing up, they were each able to grow up here in the Pikes Peak region. Yep. Uh, in the beauty of this community and the, the, the family support of this community. And it's been great. Good for you. So your JD, what was your emphasis in your law degree? So in my law degree, uh, employment law is what I focused on. Uh, and a lot of what I've done in that work is training employers to try to do things right. Okay. Uh, cause I, I think that's one of the keys. And a lot of times, you know, when we promote someone to a supervisor or manager, they have no idea what they're doing. Um, they were great technically, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't know how they're supposed to treat people, how they're supposed to operate. And so it is one of the things that I've done a lot of training for from spent a, a decade flying out to Walmart about every once every couple months to do training for their managers uh, I've done it for a number of smaller companies. And, and of course, the interesting ones are when you're teaching PhDs who have not, uh, you know, who think they know everything. <laughs> right. uh, and uh, then you're explaining, well, you can't do it that way in the employment law. So that's yeah. kind of the employment law background. I uh, came out to Colorado Springs for a job interview in 1992 uh, from called Sherman and Howard, um, which is on the top floor of the Wells Fargo building. Oh, that's right. And uh, I came out, they made a job offer for Colorado Springs or Denver. That was an easy pick for me. Uh, and so I went back and told Holly, Hey, this is a great place. We need, and she, neither of us had ever been here. Uh, we came, we fell in love with the community and took the offer for Colorado Springs and moved here in 1992. So this is home. This is home. This is home. I've lived here longer than anywhere else. 30, 30 plus years so far. 30 plus years. And, uh, as I told Holly, when we moved into our single level living home, the next time I move, I'm hoping six people are carrying me. So you probably know Frederick Yu up there at uh, Sherman and Howard, right? I did. Yeah. But I have I left Sherman and Howard a while ago because I got involved in public service. Yep. And uh, and so took some pay cuts uh, because I wanted <laughs> to serve the public. That's right. And that's what I've done. Well, and you've done an incredible job. Uh, but we're going to get into the details of how those roles have prepared you to run the city of Colorado Springs. And we'll get into some of your uh, public policy uh, experience, your time with the Republican Party here in El Paso County, because I know you've played key roles there. And then we'll dive into uh, some of the way you think uh, we need to approach some of the big topics here in Colorado Springs. You know, we've got the water issue, affordable housing, public safety, all those hot-button topics as our city expands into uh, into the next four years. So we're sitting here with Mr. Wayne Williams, uh, current city councilman, 
and uh, he's also chair of the Colorado Springs Utilities Board. So we're going to get uh, some inside perspective on the um, uh, utilities, uh, the cost of power, and, and a whole water discussion, uh, probably unlike we've heard so far. So uh, you're listening to uh, Dirk Hobbs here on True North. Uh, it's a beautiful day here. It's March 25th, Saturday. Hope you're enjoying it out there. Uh, so sit back, relax. We'll be back in a minute with Wayne Williams. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're in the second quarter of True North. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. You are listening to True North on AM 1460 and 101.1 FM, The Answer. Glad you're here. We're sitting with uh, Mr. Wayne Williams, who has quite the resume. Um, Again, we've got a big election, folks. April 4th, you should have your ballots in hand since uh, March 10th or 11th uh, is when they dropped, and they should have hit your mailbox that following Monday. So look up and down the ballot. Do your homework. Um, Obviously, we're all we're all looking at the pictures and we're all looking at the signs, but do your homework. Uh, we've got great articles on all the candidates in uh, North Magazine, and you can take a look at Wayne's profile in there. He's on pages 26 and 27. He unpacks some of the big topics um, that this community is facing because we're, we're outgrowing that small town feel and we're moving into kind of the next chapter of Colorado Springs history here. And uh, we've got some big town problems coming up, and uh, we've got to address these head on. So um, we're going to get your take on some of these, Wayne. Uh, obviously, the the water discussion, and you know, basically the whole utilities discussion, you know, the cost of energy going up, and everything else. So, what is your take um, on the water discussion? Because I, I, I've yet to hear a real material discussion around how we're going to approach it, and then manage it over the course of the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Dirk, thanks for asking that question. It's critical for our community. Uh, One of the things that I did after getting elected to city council, uh, the first meeting I was elected vice chair of Colorado Springs Utilities, I now serve as chair, Uh, but part of my focus is being trying to address the water needs for our community as we uh, go into an uncertain future. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of that is working with other neighbors and other places to try to acquire more water rights. And one of the awesome things I think we've done is reach an agreement with Bent County, which is down in the lower Arkansas Valley, to acquire up to 15,000 acre feet from Bent County. But we're doing it in a different way. By the way, 15,000 acre feet, that's how much 100,000 people use. So enough water for 100,000 wow. people. Okay, And we're doing it not in the old method that was done by prior councils, prior utility boards of buying up farms and drying them up. Instead, we are doing it in a much more cooperative way where we're going to farmers and saying, hey, let us upgrade your irrigation system. And then we will buy the water that's saved with the more efficient system. Mm-hmm. So we still get the Rocky Ford melons and all the other produce out of the Arkansas Valley. But we get the water we need. And it's a win-win situation. And that's one of the things that I, I've tried to do throughout my, 
time in public service and frankly as an attorney is look for ways that both sides can come out winners. This enables us to actually diversify our water sources because right now we get 70% of our water when we count reuse out of the Colorado. Uh, And so by adding Arkansas portfolio to this, we are able to diversify our water sources and not be a subject to the challenges in the Colorado River Compact. Um, We've bought 3,000 acre feet already, enough for 15,000 people, but we've got the rights to uh, continue to make those purchases, make those upgrades, and do it in a way that benefits all of southern Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, We then saw, after I'd been on utilities board for a while, the issues on the Colorado worsen. Uh, and you saw last fall, uh, the, about September time frame, the federal government beginning announcing that there were s- some serious problems. They were considering some uh, forced issues. Um, and so we at Colorado Springs Utilities turned to our staff and said, what is necessary? Uh, how do we protect our city? Um, and, and one of those is making sure first that we have the water for those of us who live here now. And and. The residents and taxpayers and ratepayers of Colorado Springs deserve absolute first priority. And so one of the challenges is, as a city, we have sometimes annexed land. And we did it under a policy that made zero sense, Dirk. It said, you can annex land as long as there's enough water, quote, for the foreseeable future, close quote. Mm-hmm. You know what foreseeable future means? <laughs> I don't. It's a little vague. It's, it's vague, right? <laughs> yeah. And it allowed favoritism to take place based on who, whether they liked you that day. Right. Can I foresee water? Well, then you can annex. <laughs> I can't foresee water, so you can't. <laughs> that made zero sense. Right. And so our staff turned, you know, we turned to our staff and said, we're hearing different things. We've got people pushing for one thing or another. What's the right way to go? And our staff says, well, you need a buffer. And let's define the buffer. And I think that most citizens believe we ought to have a buffer, right? It shouldn't be a, a, a Russian roulette when you turn on the water to see whether water comes out or not. Mm-hmm. It should be that you know it's there and you've got enough of a buffer. And you have to have enough buffer for two things. Number one, first you have to have enough of a buffer in case we actually do suffer curtailments on our Colorado River supplies. As I mentioned, 70% of our water is coming out of there. And that's counting the reuse. And there's at least one candidate running for mayor that don't, doesn't want us to reuse water anymore, mm. which is really dangerous because then that's an immediate 20% cut in our water. Right. Uh, so we have this challenge of how do we do this? And so how do you have enough for potential cutbacks? And how do you have enough to cover the city already with its growth that's already anticipated Um, And so they came up with 130%. So you want 30% extra. That allows you to have that buffer and protects our water for our citizens here. There was a months-long process uh, where people provided public input, and ultimately what was done was was 128%. So 28% buffer, a little bit less. That still allows areas to annex. Uh, Thousands of homes can come in under that scenario. Mm -hmm. But... And so I've heard people say, well, that's a monopoly. No, it's not a monopoly if thousands of homes can come in. Right. Um, but what it does is <laughs> it stops some of the land speculators. Yep. Uh, one of those met with me, threatened he'd spend a million dollars against me 
if I did not kowtow to his wishes, uh, I did not. And he is. <laughs> uh, and that's where a lot of the negative ads are coming from. Sure. Uh, he is carrying through with his threat. But I'm not going to get extorted. I'm not going to have people uh, coerce me into doing things that aren't right for the people of Colorado Springs. So we adopted this ordinance that provides that we will always have enough water and our residents and our taxpayers and our ratepayers have first priority. We'll still consider annexations, but our first priority has to be protecting our water. Absolutely. I should note that we also have a water supply for short-term issues. So we have reservoirs. We have, after the runoff season, on good years, we have about three years of water in our reservoirs. That's the short-term buffer for short-term issues. But the issues on the Colorado aren't short-term. They are long-term. Now, this year's been great. Right. We've got uh, a lot of rain up, up there and out there in California. Yep, which would be great if the theory was, let's plan on, let's pray for snow. Uh, but that's not something you want your elected leaders to only be doing. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for snow. Of course. But that's not a strategy in and of itself uh, because we're still supposed to do our part as well. And so through the water ordinance, through the water purchases that we've done, we have secured the water future for Colorado Springs in a way that very few other communities have done. And I'm really proud of that work that we have done to advance that cause. And I appreciate you unpacking that to the degree that you have, because I think, you know, we, we've, we've discussed some high level bullet points in previous conversations and that's all fine. Everybody's still getting to know the equation, but your time on city council and with the utilities board, uh, you've actually gotten to see LA of the land and know where the opportunities and the threats exist. And I appreciate you unpacking that a little for us. Now, you've brief, you've you've kind of briefly touched on a couple of things because all these issues are really intertwined, right? Uh, the development issue, uh, we're expanding at a rate that's almost defies what's happening on the national scale as far as some somewhat of a recession squeeze. I mean, we'll feel it here, obviously, but um, we're still expanding. We're still growing. You know, one of the things we've worked on is trying to make sure we have a strong economy. Uh, I'm honored to serve as a director for the Colorado Springs Chamber and Economic Development Corporation. It's part of what we're able to do as a community is attract things, uh, attract new businesses, attract good-paying jobs that help secure our community's economic future. During the last eight years, we've gone from a $30 billion economy to a $40 billion economy. Right. $10 billion increase in eight years, which, by the way, included a pandemic uh, because we were a little more resilient than other places. We didn't shut down as much as others. Uh, we've continued to operate government. We continued to support businesses in this community, actually provided specific relief to restaurants and others that were shut down through Indeed. state orders. Yep. And so we have to continue that progress. One of the things we're doing after this, I'm going to a meeting of an organization that is working to develop a new rail line into Fort Carson that will also have some industrial space. Uh, we don't have much industrial land in our community for manufacturing. We saw during COVID that uh, a supply chain issue occurs if you don't have any manufacturing here. And it's the perfect place, Dirk. It is by Fort Carson's firing range and the Nixon coal plant. Right. You cannot find a better place for industrial area <laughs> That right there, no one lives by it. It's yep. perfect for our community, and it's served by two separate railroads. 
Well, we're going to get back into that. We're going to let you unpack that. And the, the, another thing that's near and dear to your heart, the crime and public safety discussion. Uh, we're sitting here with Wayne Williams. He's running for mayor on April 4th. Uh, if you want to take a look at his uh, campaign, go with uh, on the website at winwithwayne.org. That's winwithwayne.org. You can also call his campaign office at 719-299-1886. And if you want to send him an email with a specific question, Wayne Williams for mayor at gmail.com. I'm going to throw a zinger at you here, brother. Okay. What is your jam song as you are cruising through town, <laughs> recharging your batteries between these, these meetings? Well, you know, I, I love, I, I'm kind of a country fan. Brooks and Dunn, Only in America is well, a great one. That's a good one to roll out on. Brooks and Dunn, only in America. You're listening to True North here on AM uh, 1460 and 101 FM, uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're back in a minute with Wayne Lee. Sun coming up over New York City. The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. One kid dreams of fame and fortune. One kid helps pay. And we're back here with Wayne Williams sitting in the studio. Uh, we've gotten to know Wayne a little bit. We've also gotten to know a lot more about the water conversation because we all know it's an issue. Uh, we're a landlocked state. You know, we know about the Colorado River Pact. And, uh, but what we don't necessarily know until today having this conversation with Wayne is really what is the plan? What is the next step for us to secure water rights and uh, protect our booming economy? Uh, Cause it's still, <laughs> it's still well on its way. Uh, we started to, to skirt into that before the break. Um, but I wanted to get your sense, Wayne, with uh, economic development. We, you were starting to talk about uh, a project down in uh, Fort Carson area. Continue on. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we've tried to do, and this had been started years ago, and it just wasn't getting any traction until I got to be chair of utilities and we were able to actually make this come to fruition, and that is providing an additional rail line into Fort Carson. The current rail line uh, doesn't have enough space in Fort Carson mm-hmm. for a full train to be loaded without some of it being outside the gates. Obviously, that's not a very secure process to do that. Correct. And so the garrison commanders at Fort Carson have said, please build this other rail line. It comes out of the rail line that serves the Radnex and coal-powered plant right now mm-hmm. south of town. Um, and in between Fort Carson and the utilities property is some land that is slated for industrial use. And so being able to bring manufacturing here, having a place where someone can come that has dual service rail, so they have competitive rates. It's right by the interstate, and it's literally by a gravel pit, the Fort Carson firing range, and a utility plant. So perfect, perfect place, right? That's where you want industrial, not in the middle of a neighborhood. <laughs> uh, and so this provides an excellent way. We were able to get that through city council a few weeks ago, made the front page of the Gazette, because it provides us an option from an economic development standpoint. We can't just have you know, expensive white collar jobs. We've also got to have jobs for folks from across the spectrum and Mm -hmm. manufacturing provides that good paying jobs. uh, And long-term we as a community have to diversify. Now this also happens to support 
the state's largest primary employer, Fort Carson, which right. is absolutely critical. Right. Uh, and I've done a lot of things to support the military during the time I've been in public service here. Fort Carson has the only clerk and recorder's office in the nation that has all of the services we offer. Motor vehicle, driver's license, marriage license, registering to vote, voting, all of that right on Fort Carson. Something that we did in partnership with the Fort Carson leadership. So we absolutely have to support our bases. Um, and we've done that during the time we actually, I was just yesterday at the state of the base speech at, uh, out at Peterson space force space. Mm-hmm. And they were, and they named one of our Colorado Springs utilities members as one of the inaugural, uh, seven, uh, what they're calling friends of the base, which is the honorary commanders program that some of the other bases yeah. have. Yeah. And so because of our work so closely between Colorado Springs utilities and the bases, uh, we just took over Fort Carson's electric lines, uh, so we're doing the maintenance for them. So this partnership is a key part of securing the economic vitality of our community. Uh, the basis play a key role, but we also have to diversify, thus the emphasis on getting some manufacturing land uh, that is protected and is the right place for that to exist. No, I appreciate that because, you know, we do talk about a lot of those high-paying jobs, which are great, right? And we continue to upgrade, um, you know, the, the baseline education right here. But you know what? Across the line, I mean, you know, this feeds right into the affordable housing discussion from my perspective, because you've got people that are serving the community in a myriad of ways, right? But they don't necessarily have degrees. They don't necessarily have these, you know, six-figure jobs. So we have to we have to have a a material conversation about what what is some actual solution towards building affordable housing in, in El Paso County. Absolutely. So I got started actually in civic service here in 1994. I was, uh, Working as a lawyer, I was chair of the Employment Law Section of the Bar Association, and there was an announcement the mayor was looking for someone, a lawyer, to serve on the Housing Authority Board. So I called up his office so I could announce it properly to the committee. And a few weeks later, uh, Mayor Bob Isaac's assistant called and said, no one else called. The mayor would like to appoint you. So that's how I wound up there. Congratulations, Um, man. That's how I began, began my civic involvement in the Pikes Peak region in 1984. So a couple things we did. Uh, we redid Lowell School, which is a bat guano infested area on the southeast part of downtown. Now that's anchored a revitalization yeah. in that entire community. Uh, but one of the other things we did is worked with Peterson, then Air Force Base, uh, to build Creekside at Norwood, which was a affordable housing apartment dwellings for enlisted personnel so they would have a place to live off base if they wanted to because even at that time there were some challenges in the affordability of housing Uh, we then have done a number of things since i got on city council to specifically address this issue first we're now using all of our state money we used to not use all of it we used to send back money to the state saying we didn't use it uh not anymore not anymore not anymore if the state is providing some uh, tax credit money or other things, we're going to make sure that we use it in our community. Uh, and we don't do that so much with us building it, but incentivizing nonprofits and others to build uh, affordable housing. So two of the very specific things we did, uh, we eliminated the sales tax for affordable and attainable housing. Um, and you're saying, well, I never pay sales tax when I buy a house, and that's true. But the builder paid sales tax on everything in on that the, house. On the materials, right. So that lumber package that cost $100,000 meant there was a $3,000 sales tax. Mm-hmm. And we've eliminated that. We also eliminated the water tap fees, uh, or t- created a $2 million fund to cover those water tap fees for affordable and attainable housing. 
Again, that's a $5,800 fee. Uh, and I hadn't mentioned that, but one of the things, one of the ways we paid for those water rights we're acquiring is we put new fees on developers. So a $5,800 water resource fee. Uh, we also imposed a fee to cover public safety needs. So we've tried to make sure that growth pays its own way, but we recognize that affordable and attainable housing may not be able to cover those fees. And so we've created methods for those to be accomplished. I appreciate that. Well, I want to get to some of the other um, uh, touchstone uh items on your list here because uh, it's on everybody's list, frankly. It's it's the crime and the public safety. You know, we're, we're evolving into a community. You know, we're attracting people from all over the country. Uh, so we're getting a lot of different personalities, a lot of different belief systems married into this culture that was, generally speaking, a fairly conservative place to live. Now it's becoming extremely diverse, which is Great in one in one regard, uh, in many regards, frankly. But it's also, you know, with that brings, um, you know, an increase in just a sheer population. It brings an ear increase in our need um, to have the resources for public safety. Um, how, how do you approach? How do you even begin to approach this as an executive of a city? So one of the first things to look at is where we actually are. And so the Common Sense Institute just uh, released a report showing that while crime skyrocketed in other places in in Colorado, it actually is down 9% in Colorado Springs. Uh, It's something that hasn't gotten as much publicity because the skyrocketing state numbers sometimes dwarf the fact that crime is actually down 9% in Colorado Springs on a per capita basis. But there are more people, and so there are more instances. Mm -hmm. as as we look at it, one yep. of those key factors is making sure we have enough law enforcement personnel. And so while I've served on city council, we've funded 62 new police positions. Uh, we also have to make sure we have the resources that are necessary. So we have, as I mentioned, adopted a new uh, fee on development that covers police and fire stations and also uh, allows us to buy the apparatus that's necessary when we open those stations. So that's part of what we've done is try to fund things and prioritize public safety. Uh, we also are working on a new training facility for our police because right now we don't have the capacity that we need for a community of our size. Um, so as we look at this, we I've tried to place an emphasis on this as a member of city council, and I've been honored to receive the endorsements of everyone involved in that law enforcement community. Uh, the Police Protective Association endorsed the campaign. So the men and women who are actually out there on the line, the Colorado Springs professional firefighters endorsed me. Uh, And both these are exclusive endorsements because they know of my commitment to public safety and the work that I've done and the work that I will continue to do as Colorado Springs next mayor. Uh, Sheriff Joe Joe Royball spoke at my announcement endorsed. Uh, So when you see the folks actually involved in law enforcement, actually involved in fire uh, response, those folks have universally said Wayne Williams is the best candidate for mayor. They didn't just do it because I've, they rolled a die or something. Mm -hmm. They did it because of the commitment I've made and the work that I've done to support public safety in our community. And I'm honored to have their support. All of us talk about public safety on the campaign, right? It's the biggest issue on people's minds. It's the most important function of local government, but I've actually delivered the results and have the support from the first responders to show that. And your response, because, you know, there's been obviously crime rate as a net has gone down 9%, but there's specific categories that have increased. 
So we have a higher murder rate than ever. We have a lot of uh, B&E breaking and entering and, you know, some of the basic stuff. I mean, is this purely a function of an increased population or what's your response? Oh, no. There are specific laws that have been changed in Denver that essentially for a lot of crimes make it a catch and release system. (laughs) And blows my mind. It is just absolutely crazy, right? Yeah. Look, you're you get pulled over for speeding and they give you a ticket and that's a catch and release and that's appropriate. Right. But not when someone's breaking into a vehicle. Right. That's absurd. Of course. And so the fact that we are not able to detain lawbreakers has made significant changes in the crime in the state. And you've seen crime in the state skyrocket. It's gone up less on those specific categories here than it has in some other places. But it is absolutely a critical thing that we have to do, which is work with the legislature to address these issues and not adopt a catch and release system. Well, we'll get back into that. We're sitting here with Wayne Williams. He's candidate for the 42nd mayor position here in Colorado Springs. This will be our third elected strong mayor in the history of the city. And uh, hopefully you're learning what you need to learn uh, to make an informed and educated decision uh, this April 4th at, uh, well, on your ballot. It's in your house right now. So take a look. Uh, go out to winwithwayne.org on the website. Get to know his platform a little better. You can contact him at 719-299-1886. Or if you have a specific question for Wayne, go to waynewilliamsformayor at gmail.com. We're back with the former chair of the Republican Party in El Paso County, Wayne Williams, in just a moment. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, Southern Colorado, we're back with Mr. Wayne Williams here in the studio. You're listening to AM 1460 and 101.1 FM, The Answer. We appreciate you uh, plugging us in this morning here on your Saturday morning walk. I hope you're enjoying the gorgeous Southern Colorado after, excuse me, gorgeous Southern Colorado morning. So uh, we've covered a lot of real estate, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, You can go on to AM 1460 and uh, check out the podcast, or you can go to coloradomediagroup.com and pick us up out there. Of course, we're on all the social media channels as well, Colorado Media Group and North. So check us out. Uh, while you're listening to this last quarter here with Wayne, I encourage you to go to his website and uh, check out his platform, winwithwayne.org. Uh, you can contact his campaign office at 719-299-1886 and email him a question or two, waynewilliamsformayor at gmail.com. So we've talked a lot about uh, smart development. We've talked about the water rights uh, as in-depth as, as we've ever covered it so far, and I appreciate that, Wayne. Uh, you know, we need to understand this apparatus. You know, part of citizenry in the United States is, is advanced citizenry. you got to pay attention. you got to look at what's going on and why you're voting for certain people. And uh, knowledge base is clearly something that uh, you bring to the table. You've had the experience uh, at the state level, at the county level, and at the city level here. Uh, and you've obviously served, uh, you know, for the last 30 years with a lot of honor, and we appreciate that service, sir. 
Um, so a couple other things, you know, the development piece, you know, we kind of we kind of covered, but a lot of people are a little bit critical of uh, the alignment with developers. So let's talk about it. Sure. Air it out. Uh, so first, <laughs> a lot of folks are supporting me who care about this community and its economic health and vitality. And that's why a lot of folks are uh, the largest supporter is a group called civic group called Colorado Springs forward that is focused again on addressing needs in our community. They've funded a number of the different campaigns for parks, for uh, our roads. So they're, they're focused on who's going to actually bring this community forward. They're supporting me. Uh, there, there are some developers who are supporting me. There are others who are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those who's not uh, said he'd spend a million dollars against me if I didn't do <laughs> and, what he wanted. And he's doing that. And he's doing it And because I, I didn't do what he wanted. So I have a record of actually standing up. You're not for uh, sale. I am not for sale. And a million dollars being spent against me is proof of that. Yep. Uh, and a lot of it's really negative. Uh, you know, you started our show today by talking about how desirable this place is. We are the most desirable city in America Yeah. Uh, by national surveys. We are making great progress. Our economy has increased by $10 billion, uh, And yet there are people who are trying to say things are horrible in Colorado Springs. I don't think they're right. I don't either. I believe this is a city on the rise and we can continue the progress we've been making and the work that we've been doing to expand to make sure that we cover all of our community. It's one of the things I've been trying to do on city council. It is my focus on mayors continuing that economic vitality. And yet there are those who want to attack and that's fine. And there are folks who are vandalizing our signs. You can particularly in the Southern part where one of uh, my folks who doesn't like me happens to live. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so what you see by this vandalism is one thing that's absolutely yeah. True. There is one group that does not want Wayne Williams as mayor, and those are the criminals, yeah. because the criminals are vandalizing Wayne Williams' signs. Uh, <laughs> the integrity and, campaign, and, right? <laughs> and I, I look if if you believe that the criminals should determine who's mayor, then don't vote for me. If you want to go with the police and the firefighters and the sheriff, then I would love to have your support. Uh, but I am not going to be extorted. I refuse that. That's why all that money is coming in, doing negative ads and other things like that. Sure. And and that's the reality, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I serve on city council for six thousand a year. Uh, <laughs> you're not you're not bankrolling a lifestyle. Uh, I'm not there, bankrolling <laughs> a lifestyle. There are folks who want to say, "Well, that makes me a career politician because I'm." I'll tell you, as a lawyer, I can do a little better than that. A little bit. Uh, actually, as a barista, I could do better than that. Uh, and so it's kind of comical if 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 it wasn't just done in a soundbite. And it's sad, um, you know, as people hear that and they believe some of it because it's said. Uh, and it's sad that people stoop to that instead of talking about their own campaign. Yeah, when it gets down to ad hominem. Yeah, <laughs> you've I, run out of ammo. <laughs> right. And, and so I, I I focused this campaign on talking about the positive things we've done and uh, making sure that we protect our community. You know, while I've been on council, we imposed a public safety fee, a water resource fee and raised park fees uh, to the tune of more than uh, comes out to about nine thousand dollars a house more for a developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. If I'm in, if the accusations were true, that is a really bad decision on their part since we've raised fees on them by $9,000 yeah. per home. 
Agreed. Well, and, and, and you're not blasé when, when you say, hey, this is a wonderful place to live. I mean, you're very conscientious of the issues at hand. OK, and you've taken them very seriously at city council and county commission, obviously at the state level and in your current role with CSU. So I, I don't want to give people the impression that, you know, life is great here. Yes. However, your eye is also on the ball as it relates to the issues we're facing. And one of those remaining is wildland interface. Because we're in a drought situation still. We are. Right? We are. And so it's not – it's both here and our water supply. So Colorado Springs Utilities today, Chair, uh, which, by the way, uh, according to the recent Gazette article, has rates 20% lower than our competitors uh, on the front range. So I, I know they're not as – There's because that. gas prices have <laughs> – natural gas prices have gone up. They have gone up. But they're lower than our the other ones on the front range on average. And uh, But we have done – we've got agreements with the National Forest to mitigate – where our water supplies are, where our reservoirs are. But we also went to the voters as a member of city council to put fire mitigation on the ballot and the voters approved. And so we've got a $20 million fund to cover fire mitigation, something very proactive that other communities have not done. And that's what we have to do. Now we've also added 66 new firefighters and three new fire stations while I've been on city council. That's why the firefighters support me because they know of my commitment to this. We also adopted our first fire evacuation ordinance. So we've done a host of things at the city that had not been done in the past. And so one of the things I'm focused on is trying to find solutions for those things. Not just talking points, ladies and gentlemen, I actually experience um, in these different categories. So public safety, smart growth and economy, economic development, obviously the water issue and clearly this fire mitigation issue, not just talking points. Do your homework, read and listen carefully. Go back and listen to this podcast about how he's addressing water, how he's addressing uh, crime and public safety here because they're material issues. Um, now, you've also uh, had a great deal of success, and that, that success and that track record has earned you the endorsement of John Southers, who's done a tremendous job over the last eight years and, and basically presided over eight years of prosperity. Uh, Colorado Springs was really in the tank when he took the, when he took the steering wheel for a while. Uh, we were turning some of the lights off out on the highway. <laughs> but – but uh, look at where we are today. We've we've had huge expansion, huge uh, economic prosperity, uh, a lot in part to our Department of Defense uh, presence here, but also multiple other industries. Um, I know John has your confidence. What what does that mean to you personally, Wayne? You know, it means a lot because John Southers is one of the best leaders the city's had, uh, and frankly, one of the best leaders in the state. You know, he's one of the few people who was confirmed unanimously by the U.S. Senate and by uh, the Colorado Senate, uh, by Colorado voters and selected by a governor to be attorney general. Uh, He's done a phenomenal job for a city and his support means a lot to me. Uh, He recognizes that I'm the one candidate running that actually has elected executive experience where you actually have to make decisions. And I'm proud of the work that we've done there. You know. It's not just the issues, but it's also the people you supervise and work with. And I'm really excited of the best letter I ever got. I was serving as Secretary of State, and I got a a letter from the Animal Welfare League of the San Luis Valley and said, we like having things online. Thanks for doing that. But sometimes we have to call. And then I'm wondering, oh, no, what's it going to say here? (laughs) And what they said is, and when we do, your staff is, this is a direct quote, invariably helpful and cheerful, close quote. Fair enough. Think of all the governments you've dealt with, Dirk, in your life. Yeah, that's not what I would call That's, that's not generally what you do. <laughs> but part of it is working with the employees, managing, making sure they know they're valued. And I was honored to receive that letter, but it meant that I was doing my job making sure our employees delivered. 
And we're not just electing someone who's going to cut ribbons. We're electing someone who's going to supervise a couple thousand city employees and make sure they're doing their job right and that they want to do it right. And I'm honored to have the support of Mayor Southers, who knows what that's like. I'm honored to have support of the firefighters and the police. It is absolutely critical as we go forward with a community that we address these issues. My website's winwithwayne.org. There's more information there. I'm focused on public safety, on focused on economic uh, growth, and then our transportation infrastructure. We haven't talked much about transportation today. Not today. Um, but-, but I helped create the Pikes Peak RTA, which was just renewed with 79.5% of the vote. And the reason it was renewed is because we delivered on the promises we made, and that's what I'll do as the next mayor. Appreciate your time, Wayne. And you have been listening to a very material discussion about the issues facing Colorado Springs for the next four years. Uh, we've been sitting with Wayne Williams. You can find him on the web, winwithwayne.org, phone number 719-299-1886, or email him questions or two, waynewilliamsformayor at gmail.com. I appreciate you unraveling some of the, uh, uh, you know, we could sit here and talk for two hours about what we need to do next. Uh, but I do appreciate you uh, unpacking some of the things to the degree that you did. And hopefully that was beneficial for you folks out there. So uh, hit it, coloradomediagroup.com. I'm going to play out this week uh, with a very cool song from Annie Lennox. Uh, this one kind of flew under the radar for a while, but it is one of the greatest renditions of the song Georgia, the song made famous by Ray Charles. But her rendition is absolutely stellar. Take a, take a listen online, Annie Lennox's version of Georgia. You've been listening to True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Until next week. Uh, have a great weekend. Smile tenderly. You've been listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.